0: Love is complicated. It shouldn't be. It doesn't seem like it ought to be, but it is. It's just one word, it's four letters. It seems like it should be very simple to understand. The problem is that, especially in our language, love has many different meanings, depending a lot on the context. Some people say and use the phrase, I love that. I use that phrase. I do. Maybe it's talking about a, a good news. Maybe it's talking about somebody sharing something that, that's been a blessing to them. They just use that. Some people say, I love Wichita State basketball. I do. I love watching them play. I love the Shockers. All right? Well, they, they do. They're big fans. Steve and Cindy Tandy are in the audience this morning. And they're big WSU fans. They love the shockers. Maybe you're going down the road and you're driving and you, you hear a song that just gets you going. And uh, you just sing it at the top of your lungs. And somebody's with you. Sing. As soon as you hear that song, you reach for the radio dial. You turn it up and you say, I love this song. Some people, I'm, I'm not exactly sure who, might, might drive by a restaurant at 21st and Mays and say, Man, I love Chick-fil-A. I do. It's good. I love the service, I love the culture, I love the food. You might say, I love my job. And these days, you might be especially grateful for your job. You might have become more grateful than you have before. You might say, I love you to your husband, to your wife. Tell your kids, I love you. In the same family, yet that kind of love is different, isn't it? And, of course, we, as we gather this morning, we think about how we love God. And that's different, too. So we have multiple examples of the way in which we use the word love, and it's easy to understand why we're confused, why a simple thing such as love is so easy to get complicated. In the first century world, love didn't have quite so many meanings, didn't have quite so many Context. In fact, they really had four different words for love. The first was the one that we think of uh, often in the movies and in music, uh, much has been written about this kind of love, Eros, it's romantic love, love between a man and a woman. Uh, there's a famous song, When a Man Loves a Woman, uh, that conveys the 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 Eros. When I remember <laughs> very first time I saw my wife, I remember it very clearly. I mean, the world slowed down as she came into the youth group room, and I remember the door swinging open and her hair just kind of moving in slow motion. It's like a commercial. I can remember that very clearly. It was a moment of Eros, because I, I didn't know her. I didn't know Christy Smith, but I had Eros. I loved her. I was attracted to her. Uh, This this love, by the way, is not unbiblical. It's the way God created human beings. The very first time Adam saw Eve, he had a very similar response as he woke up from divine anesthesia. Genesis chapter 2 says, uh, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Adam was was having a moment there. He was was saying, wow, Eve is somebody special. Eve's different than all the other creatures that God has made. Eve is someone like me and yet different from me. Eve is something that's going to cause... Uh, a, a man to leave his family and, and go be united to his wife. He was exactly right. He, he knew that he was something special. That was Eros. There's an entire book. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks of, of, of love between a man and a woman. We skip over that, but Eros is a good thing created by God for a blessing. Uh, many of you know Cameron and, and Morgan Cothran married, got married this weekend, began their family together, and that's, that's exciting. And, and as, I saw their pictures on Facebook, and it was just so happy for them. And and uh, I know it was a little bit different than what they intended for it to look like, but it was a celebration of love, and I, I'm pretty sure that it began with Eros. So, uh, Eros is the first kind of love. The second is one that we call Storge. If you'll advance the next slide for me. Storge is family love, it's the love that holds a family together. Uh, 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 Alyssa Benjamin used to be Alyssa Yolman. She and Robert celebrated the birth of their very first child, a son, Isaac. See, that's, and I guarantee you, when when the little baby boy was born and, and uh, they handed the, the child over to Alyssa and, and they, she held him there and beheld this child, immediately she was full of storge, that kind of love that holds family together. That's a beautiful kind of love. But it's different than eros, of course. It's familial love and it's the love that holds families together. It's what makes the people that you're watching worship with right now, as you, wherever you, you are, whether you're outside on the deck like the Webbers or you're, you're on the, the, the couch uh, or, or wherever you happen to be watching from, just look for a moment at the people that you're watching with. That's Storge, the, the, the people that you're connected to, that you'll always be connected to, the people that will run the race of life with you, the people who were there when you came into the world and the people who will be there when you leave this world. And what connects you, what bonds you, what holds you together is storge. The third type of love is philea. Philea is friendship kind of love. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 is t- says that there is a, uh, 18 verse 24 says that, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You have that kind of friendship? A is non-romantic love, okay? It, it it is is this idea that there are people that we're not related to that we'd have no romantic interest in, but we're close to them. You have somebody like that in your life? You're very blessed if you do. It said that, that most people go through life with fewer than five. Close friends. Who is it in your life that's Philea? Somebody that sticks to you, that's closer to you than blood. They're not related to you. You're certainly not romantically interested in them, but they are close to you. They get you. In the scriptures the story of David and Jonathan is a beautiful example of Philea kind of love. David said of Jonathan that your love to me was better than that of the love of a woman. He's saying there that I'm close to you, and you're my friend. And when you have that kind of friendship, it's it's uh, you you understand the value of it and the blessing of it. The youth group, when they're together, normally I'd be speaking in this section right here, uh, but last night they had uh, uh, outside worship, and as they were together, they sang one of the last songs uh, that they often sing at the end of their. Devotionals, And it's, it's, you know, if you're a teen and you're watching, you know what the last song is. You, you, you grab a hand or a shoulder and, and you, you're in a circle and you're singing, You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. See, it doesn't really work. looks kind of weird with just me by myself, right? That's the idea. It's this philea kind of love. It's that closeness that builds a youth group and builds the unity that you have together. And the youth group has sung that song for uh, a long time. Uh, Maybe a generation of Northside teens have been reminded of the importance of philea love. Now, the last kind of love is agape love god 's love. it is his unconditional relentless, perfect love. It is love in action it's the song that we sang this morning it's it's this idea of a love deeper than we could ever know a, a more perfect than we could ever understand. Uh, a love that we'll spend our whole lives trying to fathom and we'll never get it until we reach heaven's glory. I'm convinced of it. But but it, the, the words of the song that we sang this morning are so true. Listen. I have to bring the sound up on the PC guys. How vast beyond We get it. The word conveys the idea beautifully. How deep the father's love must be to pursue us as he has pursued us. It was the same love that caused the father to run to the prodigal in an age when the fathers didn't run. It was the, the same kind of love that caused Jesus to stand by a woman caught in adultery and said, Neither do I condemn you to go and leave your life of sin. It was that kind of love that caused him to come to earth and to live a perfect life and to die a, a sacrificial death to atone for our sins. It was that kind of love that caused him to conquer death and rise from the grave. How deep, how deep the Father's love indeed, how vast, beyond all measure. Jesus was asked a question about the law of God. And in response, he answered with the love of God. If you're following along in your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. Probably known in your Bibles, maybe even it says something in here about the greatest commandment. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And he was asked about what is the greatest command, what's the greatest, most important of all 611 commands. He said it's this, it's love. It comes down to love. Now, I want to look at this together as, we, as you see this slide on the screen. As we look at it together, take a look here. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied with this, love. The Greek word being agapeo, or the root of it being agape. And then he comes down and he says, the second is like it. Love, that is agapeo, your neighbor. You see, Jesus said it all comes down to love, and love is the most important, and not eros love, and not storge love, and and, and not philea uh, uh, love, but agape love, God's perfect kind of love. Well, that's, that's easy for God to do, but I'm not God. My love is certainly not perfect. How do I do that? Well, the Greeks understand not only agape in terms of God's love, but also as love active, love in action, love shown to someone. All those laws, over 600 of them, hung on this one word, agape. If you think about it, perhaps each kind of love is meant to lead us and show us how to agape. Eros love, think about it. Eros love teaches you to love someone besides yourself. I mean, when you, when you fall Eros love, suddenly you begin to do and to act in strange ways, doing things that have no benefit to you. And in most cases, cost you something because you want to show your love for another person. That's motivated by Eros. Now, Eros and Agape are different, but I think Eros, in, in, in the moment that I saw Christy, in that moment, I was changed and I knew in my mind that I would do anything for her. And over the, the coming years, I, I, would, I, I would do many things for her to show my love for her and to her. And sometimes those things were costly, See, God uses the, the, the first three kinds of love to lead us to the best kind of love. Philea, friendship love, the the, the idea that, that, that you love someone that you don't have a romantic interest in. Philea love teaches you to love someone else when there's nothing in it for you. It's all about this friendship that you have with another person. Storge love. Teaches you to sacrificially love someone outside of yourself. New parents turn their world upside down for this tiny little baby that that will that has no care or concern for mother or father. It doesn't care that it's two in the morning, that mother's tired. If it's hungry, he or she's going to cry and cry and cry, and mother and, mother and father will, will meet every need of the young child. Why? Because of story love. That's... That storge love teaches you to love sacrificially for someone outside of yourself. Your parents saving up for, for a college fund to, to help your student, your, your child, better themselves in life. That, that costs you something, you see. Do you understand? And why is it that you do that for, for someone else? Because you storge them. You're loving sacrificially for them. Loving sacrificially for someone besides yourself. See, Eros and Philea and Storge, these are all types of love, but they they are designed for a purpose. They're designed to lead us to a true and better and fuller and more perfect agape love, God's unconditional, relentless, perfect, unfathomable love. And it's perfectly described in 1 Corinthians 13, a well-known scripture. Maybe it was read yesterday at Morgan and Cameron's ceremony. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the scripture is speaking to a church, and it's, it's not really speaking about romantic love, it was speaking to a church that was struggling with love toward one another. And so the Apostle Paul talks about the greatest spiritual gift, the greatest blessing toward a church is this kind of love. And let's look at it together. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And you can know that kind of love only when you see it when you see it in action, when you see someone being more patient than they should have to be, when you see someone being kind to someone who is rude, when when you see somebody that that does without envy or braggadocia, when you see somebody who's humble and not rude, you see someone who doesn't insist. It has to be my way or the highway. When you see someone who's not irritable or resentful, Someone who doesn't rejoice when other people stumble or fall—you see people who rejoice in what's true and what's right. You're seeing love. I can tell you about that kind of love, but but in truth, we we know it when we see it, don't we? We know it when we see it, because the only way agape can be known is to be shown. It's how John. Uh, it's how. God showed his love to us. God couldn't fully express it to us. He he told us many times in his word. But he finally had to show us by sending his son, by giving him on the cross. Now, Jesus set the example for us. He got to the heart of it in John chapter 15. Here's what he says. John chapter 15, and this is where we want to lead to as we think about love. We're John chapter 15 Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The the key here is the word as. That simple little word, but it's important. How did Jesus love them? What What would the disciples say? Well, Matthew would say, Jesus was merciful to me. I was a tax collector. I stole, I, I cheated people. I was a hated man. I hated most probably by myself. But Jesus was merciful. Peter would say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> most patient rabbi I ever met. I mean, uh, I was uh, sticking my foot in my mouth so much, uh, I had a case of athlete's foot growing on my tonsils. I, I was just speaking up and saying things. And so many times I was like, stupid. Oh, so dumb, Peter! Why did you do that? But, but, but Jesus was there, right there, again and again, patiently leading me and using my my missteps and my mouth in a way that was preparing me to preach the first gospel sermon. Jesus, Jesus was patient with me. James and John would step up together and they'd say, "Ah, Jesus, ah, he was humble." He was humble when we asked for a seat next to him in, in the kingdom. When we thought he was going to be a king. Well, we wanted to be right next to him. And Jesus reminded us that it was a different kind of king. And a different kind of kingdom. If you ask the, the, the a woman caught in adultery, she'd say, That man, he showed me compassion and not condemnation when I was surrounded by my accusers, when everyone else looked down on me, when I couldn't even look up, when I was ready to lose my life, he stepped in and showed me mercy. The Pharisees would say, Jesus, charlatan. But that man... I'll tell you this about that man. He told the truth, even when we didn't want to hear it. And Thomas would say, well, I had my doubts, but Jesus didn't give up on me. He said, put your hand right here at my side. Look at the holes in my hand. That man was understanding with my doubts, and I'm so grateful that he was. You see, when we, when we look at the picture of the people that Jesus surrounded himself with, Jesus didn't say, you've you, you got to love. Jesus set the example of love. So My question is, what about you? How did Jesus show you love? How did he step into your world and wreck you with his inconceivable kind of love, his relentless kind of love, his patient kind of love? When he showed you mercy, when he showed you grace, how did you respond? Now, I could make this sermon all about you and how he's impacted you and how he made you feel, but I want you to take it one step further and think for just a second. What if the way in which Jesus loved you is the way in which he calls you to love others? Love each other as I have loved you. See, he set the example... And then he set the expectation. It's this. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. Beautiful thing is that Jesus didn't just see those people in his lives as students, as disciples, as apostles, but as friends. And Jesus considered them a friend enough that he was willing to lay down his life for them and for us. Greater love has no one than this. And that he lay down his life for his friends. Tomorrow, we will celebrate Memorial Day. A time to remember. Remember who died. But not just remember who died, but... Why they died. The song, America the Beautiful. Oh, beautiful, for heroes proved in liberating strife who more than self their country loved. Did you catch that? I hope you don't take tomorrow as just an extra day off, but, but take some time to remember. Take some time to share with your children. Take some time to remember, whether you go to the cemetery and just look at the flags or, or, or give honor to heroes that have passed in your life. May you remember that, that the heroes didn't just die a death. They died a death for a cause. And a reason. May we not forget that they died. May we remember why they died. They laid down their lives because of their love for their country and their countrymen. And so may we, in the same way, live the example of love that Jesus set. May we live according to his expectations. To love in a way that causes us to lay down our lives. And I don't mean in dramatic, you know, step in, push somebody out of the way of a speeding bus. That might happen, but it's rare. It's more likely that you'll have to lay down yourself in very simple and subtle ways that only heaven above, that only God Himself will see and know. But He calls us to lay down our lives. Out of love for one another, because that is how Jesus loved us. May then we remember that we love because he first loved us. John the Apostle of Love said it best. Verse John four nineteen. God does not intend for love to be complicated. He intends it to be very simple, in fact. It just means laying down your life for another. Oh, it's simple. I didn't say it would be easy. May we follow Jesus' example. May we love God as He loved us. And may we live out His expectation. May we lay down our lives to love each other. Truly, there is no greater love than this.